Welcome to The Right Stuff, I'm Sheena and today we're chatting to Harper Bliss. Harper Bliss is going to talk to us about making money in lesbian fiction. She's going to talk about how her and her wife started Lady Lit Publishing, how long it's taken her to start earning from her work, what her marketing strategies are, why every author needs a mailing list, and in December 2015, Bliss embarked on an ambitious project to publish a book every single month this year. She chats to us about why she decided to do this and how she manages to pull it off. For this and more, stay tuned to The Right Stuff, because when it comes to making money through lesbian fiction, Harper Bliss has The Right Stuff. Hit the subscribe button so that this podcast downloads automatically every time there's a new one. My name is Harper Bliss and um, I write lesbian fiction, romance and erotic romance. And yeah, I started this this crazy challenge to to write, well not write a book, publish a book uh, every month. So uh, I think that's what we'll be talking about. And I also uh, run a publishing company together with my wife called Lady Lit Publishing, which publishes all my books. And we also uh, publish uh, some other authors. And uh, ma- lately we've, we've mainly been doing anthologies. Publish mainly anthologies. Because it's easier to do, <laughs> I think. Because, you know, publishing a book, it's, uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work when it's my own book, but it takes even more work to do it for someone else. Plus, you know, you, you have you have a responsibility toward towards the, the author to, you know, market the book and, and do all these other things for them. And when, when we do anthologies, it's different because, you know, I usually edit them or we have someone edit them for us. And it's just, um, it's just a much easier process, actually. So, and also it's fun because, you know, I love a good short story and, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a great way to uh, get to know some other authors and, yeah, that's about it, really. Are you at the point with Lady Lit where people are approaching you to publish their work? Well, at the moment, and mainly because I started doing this crazy challenge, we have actually closed our, our call for submissions. We can't publish a Harper Bliss book every month and publish other authors it's it's not possible it's a decision we made last year to see we said you know okay if, if we're gonna do this it's just the two of us we don't have time for this and then we can't uh, we can't live up to to other authors expectations to, and, and deliver what they want I do get questions of course because you know Lady Lit has been around for a little while we get approached but at the moment we're not accepting uh, submissions this may change in the future Maybe it sounds a bit selfish to say, but at the moment I'm like really focusing on, on Harper Bliss. Okay, so let's talk about why on earth you would decide to publish a book every single month. That sounds like a massive task. Well, it is. It, I know it's crazy, right? I, I know it's a bit of a crazy plan, but when I really started thinking about it, it wasn't that crazy. But, you know, the reason why I thought of this was because um, when I thought of it, I had two novels out and then every time I have a novel out you know I, I look at my uh, my sales chart and every time I have a novel out there's this huge spike and I said oh I love this I love this this spike in my in my chart so and I said to my wife what if we had a spike like that every month and then she said well yeah but then you'd have to publish a novel every month and then I said well why don't I try that that's kind of how this how this challenge was born and uh, well you know I'm a pretty fast writer so and I like it. I like a good challenge. And um, if the challenge can make me write faster, then that's that's a, it's a win-win, really. So uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it's actually going to work. If I can actually publish 
a, a full-length book every month, but I'm going to try. I actually started in December, so December I had my first novel out of this challenge, and I had one in January, and I had one in February, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm definitely on schedule for, uh, for March, April, May. These are not going to be a problem. The rest I'm going to have to see. When you say you have a spike, is it just on the latest novel, or do you see a spike across all your novels? I see a spike across all because, you know, when, when you have a new book out, every time you have a new book out, new readers will see this book, readers that you previously didn't have. And they will, if you're lucky and if, you know, if they've enjoyed the book, they will say, oh, I want to read more by this author. And then, you know, it has a knock-on effect. And uh, this knock-on effect can actually, you know, it can, it can actually last a few months. I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've, I've already seen it in action, even though I've been doing this challenge for since December only. I had a book out in December, my sales for December, they went up, as I had expected. And then I had another one out in January, and I mean, I had expected them, my sales to go up, but I mean, they didn't just go up. I mean, they were like, you know, the best month ever, like they were completely outside of my expectation. And that's because when, when you have, when you stack your releases like that, it just has this, this massive knock-on effect. Well, I hope this trend continues, you know, I can only hope, but um, the spike is definitely uh, across, uh, across other books as well. Hmm. And aren't you worried about overloading your readers and giving them too many books to read? Well, you know, <laughs> not really, because, well, obviously not everyone is going to read all my books, right? But um, I think it is like generally accepted that romance readers in particular, they are voracious, right? They just, they want more and more. And I get, I mean, this is what I hear from, from readers as well. Oh, we want more. I think if you write in the romance genre, you really can't write, uh, you can't write fast enough. Because I think romance is, it's very, it's an escapist genre. So people, they just want to like, they want to read it and relax and escape. And I think that's why, uh, you know, they go through these books so fast. That's why I, this is not something I'm really worried about. So I haven't heard any complaints about, you know, oh, can you please slow down because you're, you're publishing too much. So um, plus, you know, the more books you have, the more, the more chance you have of, of being discovered by new readers. So, you know, the readership is not, is not finite. You know, there's always new people coming in, discovering you. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that. How wide are you writing? Because you write erotica, but you also write romance. But are you sticking predominantly to typical romance and typical erotica or are you going to expand into, say, supernatural or something a little bit outside of your scope? Well, well, I, I definitely started out as a pure erotica writer. Almost four years ago, what, what, what I published, it was, it was erotica. But um, since I started novels, writing novels, because I used to publish more shorter stories, I've definitely, I see myself more as a romance author now. And um, I've all, I also have a plan to, uh, I would love to write a, a spy novel, you know, with this like kick-ass lesbian spy main character. I've been thinking about this a lot. Actually, I was, I was about to start on it a few months ago, but then I chickened out at the last moment. I just, I don't know, I said, oh, let's just do another romance. Because, you know, I just really enjoy writing lesbian romance so much. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm not ready for this. I think, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of, uh, 
maybe I am not ready for it, but I, I mean, I have the character, I have the plot for the first book. I just, I haven't gotten around to actually starting it yet, but I would like to, uh, to go more in the, I would like to write a spy novel and, uh, I also have an idea for a mystery. So I would like in the future, I would like to, to branch out. Yeah. Although I, I do enjoy writing romance just so much. Why did you make the jump from erotica to romance? Because if it's just erotica, I mean, it's kind of like always the same. I mean, romance has much more character development, has much more stories. You can do so much more in a book. Plus, if I was going to write novels, I wasn't just going to write, you know, I wasn't going to write a a full-length novel full of erotica, you know, I, I needed more romance, I needed more drama and emotions and all of that. But that being said, even though I write romance, all my books have plenty of erotica in them, you know, I, I, I will never be a fade to black writer, as they say, you know, when it gets interesting. I, I will not fade to black. I think romance allows me to broaden my scope a little bit. How do you keep the sex interesting then? <laughs> well, well, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, there are always different characters, right? So I think just like a story, the sex is, o- is also going to depend on the character and how they interact together and how they, how they are. It has happened to me that I've said, oh, God, another sex scene. And that's when I know that. Because when I'm not feeling it, then I know I'm not doing it right. But usually, because uh, just this morning I was, I was, uh, I'm like almost at the end of, of my book, of my novel, and I was coming at the sex scene, and then, you know, like I could see that my word count was like going up, 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 my words per hour. When I, when I'm like really in it and I can write it really fast, that's when I know, you know, that it's gonna work. I've had to, um, tell myself no let, let's not do a sex scene now let's do something else because I'm getting kind of tired of it because I mean there's only so many ways two women can do it right so and I think well I'm surely I have not exhausted all of them but you know I've written a lot of sex scenes but I think you know what keeps it interesting is it's always going to be the characters right the way they interact with each other you know it's it's not just like it's not a pornographic description, right? It's always, the character always comes through and that, that's what makes it different and what keeps it interesting, I hope. That's a good answer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, so how on earth are you going to keep your characters and your storylines fresh doing so many novels in a year? Well, yeah, I, I think just as like with the sex scene, it, it always comes down to character. Plus, you know, you have the tone of a book can be a bit different. Um, the setting is different. Uh, you have like all these other characters. Um, it can be a bit more comedy. It can be a bit more serious. Some books will be a bit more erotic, you know, but definitely always comes down to, to character. There are so many different characters a writer can create. And then, you know, you put the characters together and you have a different combination and all of that. So, um, cause the story is made up of the characters, but definitely in my books. I mean, I'm, I'm not like a huge plot twist kind of author, except maybe like in French kissing, which is a bit crazy sometimes. It all comes down to character. And plus, I think the more you write, the more ideas you have. Like at this moment, I mean, I have like, I have, I have a queue of 15 books I could just start writing, you know, because I've thought about it and I thought, oh, this character is awesome. Oh, this character, I want to write about it. I think I can keep my books different enough. Although, as long as I write in the romance genre, there's always going to be a certain predictability because, you know, it's a romance. And I write happily ever after romance. Yeah, it's all about character. 
that's that's I think that's my my main answer on this question as well. With this challenge, are you going to be doing uh, standalone novels, or are you going to be doing series? Are you going to be revisiting characters? How are you going to keep this all together? Well, like for instance, um, one of the books in the challenge, like my March release, is actually it's an anthology that I edited. So it's not like I have not written this entire book myself, just to mix it up a little bit. But I think mainly I will be doing standalones. But I am also going to start on a new series. That's going to be my next book that I start writing. And I also have my French Kissing series. Although that one has just ended, so I won't be revisiting those anymore. So I'm doing a bit of a combination of, uh, of different things. So keeps it a little bit interesting for me as well. And especially when, when, you, know, when you write a series, it's, it's so much easier to just go back to it and pick up where, where you left off because you don't have to create new characters from scratch and all of that. So yeah, a bit of a combination of, uh, of all. Do you find that standalones or series novels sell better? Well, up to now... My my biggest sellers up to now have been standalone, but then that was before the last part in my French Kissing series came out. Because French Kissing, I don't know, I just never really like did anything spectacular. But then the last book came out a couple of weeks ago, and now they've all been oof, they've been doing really well. So I think with a series, you just need to have some patience, especially a series like French Kissing, because these are not standalone books. You need to have read like you need to read them in order, and um, I think now because the final installment has come out, I think, you know, people want to invest the time to read from the beginning. But I think for a, I think series can do really well, but I think you need to maybe have a little bit more patience for it to take off. My biggest sellers up to now have been standalone novels, so. Are you seeing um, trends in what is selling and what isn't selling? Well, the biggest trend I have seen since I started writing is the longer your book, the better, the better it's going to sell. Because I used to write like novelettes and novella length, but this was like before Lesfig really blew up, right? Because now when I started, I had like, I didn't have a lot of competition and I could easily like release a novelette of 10,000 words and go to number one in lesbian romance. This would definitely not be the case anymore now. And the main question I always got from readers was, oh, please write something longer, something longer. So that's why I made the switch to novels, because people want to read longer work. They, they don't particularly want to read something shorter. They want to like something, you know, to really get away in and escape in. And, you know, for, for most readers, an, an, a shorter work is not going to do the trick. So uh, definitely uh, longer works for sure. And what is your, your average novel length? Well, I write uh, around 60,000 words, which is not like super long, but it's not, it's not short either. So um, yeah, around 60,000 words for me is about my sweet spot. So I know there are a lot of authors there who, like, who write uh, much longer books, but um, yeah, I, I like to keep it, you know, just like long enough to satisfy the reader, but not too long to like draw it out too much because I like to really keep it fast paced. Yeah, 60,000 is a decent length. Yeah, people seem to be happy with that. It's also not so long that you feel like you never finish reading the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus, you know, if you want to publish a book a month, you're not going to make it 100,000 words per book, right? That's not going to work. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so how long does it actually take you to write a book? Well, the first draft usually takes me around three to four weeks. I mean, I would love to say it only takes me two weeks. I mean, it's my like it's my ultimate goal in life right now to learn how to write a book in, in two weeks, but I'm not there yet. 
I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty fast writer. I can like, you know, like really bang the words out. 60,000 words in three weeks is really decent. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not bad. I'm definitely not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that, but I would just, you know, I'm always looking to, to speed things up a bit because for my challenge, because I had, I had a really big head start with this challenge. I had a few books ready before I actually started it. I had three books ready. So, you know, I, I gave myself a decent head start, but I mean, I mean, I can, I can feel like time is like slowly starting to catch up with me. So uh, I'm going to have to find a way to speed up. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my pace, but you know, I'm always looking to increase because, you know, the more I write, the more I can publish. So then if it takes you two to three weeks to write first draft, how long does it take you to edit it? So my wife and I, we, we work together on this. We recently started doing this for my last few novels. So as soon as I finish the first draft, which is very rough, you know, with lots of notes in there, she takes over and then she goes over it and she will address most of my notes. This is like small stuff, like, like research things, like, you know, about setting or something like that. And so she does the second draft, and this usually takes her about one to two weeks. Then it comes back to me. I go over all the things that she, like, you know, changed. That's when my work is done. And then I, it goes to a professional editor that I hire, who usually takes two to three weeks to edit. And then it comes back to me. Then I go over that again. So that would take another one to two weeks, and then it's ready for publication. So uh, can you see where I run into a problem with a book a month? <laughs> Yeah, but what you're doing is you're outsourcing. I think that's really smart so that while they're busy with the book, you can get on with writing the next one. Yeah, exactly. So like, like for instance, I'm, I'm about to finish a, a novel now, the first draft. I should hopefully finish it like on Monday. Goes goes to my wife who does second draft. And then while she does that, I'm going to go over edits of, of my April release, which I, I already got back from my from my editor. I can't afford not to overlap, right? I need to be I need to be working on one on a work all the time. And you're making enough from your books to survive the two of you full time. Yes. We it has no it wasn't like that from the very beginning, right? But I mean obviously when when I first started Lady well, we started together, but back then my wife she was still she still had a job. So this was um uh, when was this? About two years ago. But then her company said, well, you know, it's because we live in Hong Kong. She said, the, the company said, okay, your job in Hong Kong is finished. What would you like to do? Would you like to come back to Belgium and still have a job or stay in Hong Kong and not have a job? And then we said, well, you know, let's just do it. You know, let's go, let's go for, let's start this uh, publishing company and make it work. And of course, you know, in the beginning, we couldn't live of it because it takes a while to build, to build an audience and to to grow your readership and to have just to have enough books out to to live off it but we do now so we've reached the point where we can live off it yes how many books a month are you selling this is a question for my wife really <laughs> i'm not i'm not really like into all of the numbers just like roughly um, are we talking here a hundred are we talking a thousand are we talking ten thousand are we talking ten million no 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 maybe between two and three thousand a month Something like that, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And this is all ebooks, or is it printed as well? We have we most of our books are also available in paperback, and um, paperback is not a huge source of income for sure. But every month we sell a few more, so you know because there are still people who do prefer paperback. But I mean, like you could definitely say that ninety five percent of our income is is ebooks. So print is not a huge. Uh, 
the huge source of income. So yeah, ebooks definitely. And pricing, are you playing with price to see where the sweet spot is or are you guys pretty much going, this is what we're selling for? Well, no, recently, like my, at the Water's Edge and Once in a Lifetime, we started at six ninety nine, and then, you know, when, when the next book came out, we said, well, why don't we, you know, try and go a little bit lower? And then we started pricing at four ninety nine, and I think four ninety nine is actually a really good price because that book did really well at that price, and it didn't it didn't matter that it was priced lower because it sold more copies, and I think the price actually had something to do with that. I think a lot of people have the psychological barrier to not want to spend more than five five dollars for a book, and then four ninety nine is a is a good price for them. So at the moment we are selling most of our novels for four ninety nine, and we are planning to reduce the price of the six ninety nine ones to four ninety nine as well. That's a big key in all of this because yeah. if you can find a decent lesbian book at that price, that's that's a big selling key. I know I have a bunch of of readers who complain to me because lesbian books are so expensive because they're going from sort of ten to twelve dollars now just for a, a an ebook. Well, yeah, but I think that's that's the big advantage of being indie, right? I can set my own price, but I mean, for for a publishing house, it's it's different. I think they have much more overhead costs and all of that. I have costs, but I'm much more uh, much more flexible in my pricing. I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely an argument for 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 every price. I'm sure you know people who price their book at at nine ninety nine, for instance, they will have an argument for it. But for me, you know, because I don't have to split the pie, right? Royalties come to me, so four ninety nine is definitely a good price for me. Okay, so cover design, how long does that take? And writing blurbs and all the marketing sort of stuff that comes after the novel's written. Well, cover design, I'm very lucky because my wife, you know, she she used to do a lot of graphic stuff for her work, so she's very good at uh, graphics things. And um, she does my covers, so for which I am very grateful. And I think she does an excellent job with that, by the way. I think the covers she makes are uh, definitely make me stand out in the lesbian romance market because, you know, covers are not always great in, le- in lesbian. <laughs> so uh, I'm lucky that way. Sorry, this is a, a, a big thing that I, I hammer home to anybody who will listen is you need better covers. And I, I applaud your wife. She does a beautiful job of your covers. Yeah, she does. I told her maybe we should hire you out to run a lesbian <laughs> romance author. I said, no, I want to keep you to myself. But uh, yeah, because I mean, it is, the, it is the first thing that any indie author will tell you or any author is like, have a great cover, but... I don't know. Le- lesbian fiction is a bit of a strange genre, you know, because not all rules apply. I mean, there are plenty of books with not so good covers that do well, and that that is that is the strange thing, you know. If authors would realize that it, that it hinders their sale, they would get a better cover. But maybe they don't need to because they're selling they're selling books anyway, despite their not so good cover. So I don't know. It's it always baffles me a little bit when you know when I see a book do really well that doesn't have like like a really good cover. So strange in, le- in lesbian fiction. I have a philosophy that the ones that sell well with a bad cover will sell even better with a good cover. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm, yeah. Well, I, I would surely hope they would, but yeah, I'm sure they would. Well, keep spreading the word. I mean, it's a, it's a good word to spread <laughs> for sure. I'm going to send them your way. I'm going to tell them to beg you to, to 
lend him your wife. <laughs> I, I don't I don't lend her out like that. <laughs> make make me a good offer and I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I think we kind of lost track of the of the question. Yeah, so marketing, uh, like cover design, I have that covered. Plus, you know, I mean, getting a good cover is not cheap, right? But I don't have to pay for it because she does it. So uh, that's a big thing for me as well. Blurb writing, I hate like so many other authors do, but, you know, we, we tend to work on that together as well. How long does the that process take? They're getting ready for publication. Um, you know, the book's ready. Now you're busy with the kind of marketing stuff. What I've, what I've started to do like a couple of months ago is I started a launch team and that has made such a big difference. My launch team, they are so amazing because what I do is be, just like two weeks before the book actually comes out, I send them an advanced reader copy and usually it's like, I mean, it's before, before the book is even proofread, you know, so I tell them, you know, a couple of typos, but start reading it. And then they've read it by the time the book comes out. And then they're all ready to leave their review, like on launch day or like in the week that follows. And I mean, a new book with a lot of great reviews, it, it's going to sell. It's, it's, it's um, a good review builds a sort of social trust with the reader, right? And they say, oh, this book, this new, and it has so many good reviews and it makes such a difference. Like like my novel, Release the Stars, it received 100 reviews in two weeks. And that is, you know, because of my launch team. And I think um, that has been a big step forward in the, in my marketing for sure. So any authors out there, try to build a launch team because uh, they can they can really make the difference. Okay, like explain from the beginning what is a launch team. <laughs> a launch team is a, is a group of readers who will review your book, you know, as soon as it comes out or within the first two weeks that it comes out. So in exchange for a review of your book, you give them a free copy before it's even out. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yeah. How do you find these people? I recruited them uh, via my mailing list. So I've been bu- that's that's another big marketing thing of course the mailing list. I've been building my list for a long time and you know I have a, I have a good I have a sizable list and a couple of months ago I emailed everyone on my list and I said okay I'm starting this launch team you know I explained to them in return for for an advanced copy you will leave a review and you know I had like I think I had 170 people reply to me and say yes 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 so, uh, you know, and then every time I have a book come out, I send them an email and not everyone on my team is going to read and review every book. You know, they, they pick and choose. They don't have to read every book, but they do have to leave a review. So, uh, yeah, that's how it works. That's interesting. How big is your mailing list? My mailing list now is about 3,000 uh, people. That's a decent sized mailing list. Yeah, it's not bad. How did you build that? Well, in the beginning, I built it just by having a, a sign up, uh, a sign up link in my books. But uh, as of last year, I started. No, actually, what I did from quite from the beginning is I, I gave away a free book when they signed up, and I gave away like one of my earlier novelettes. And then recently, I I started giving away three books. When you sign up to my mailing list, you get three free books, and you know it's what they call like the reader magnet. People want to get these free books and they sign up and then in return, I get to send them, you know, information about, about my new books. It's pretty helpful in building a list is to give something away for free. Absolutely. And how often are you sending out your emails? I usually only send when, uh, when I have a book out and when, or when I have a promotion or, you know, when I have like something really interesting to say, but I, I don't overburden my list. But of course, you know, like now I have a book out every month. So, you know, I, I email them at least once a month, 
But um, I don't know, like, they say that you should, like, engage your, your list more, like, maybe once every two weeks. But I don't know, I find it quite pointless to do when, when I don't really have anything interesting to say. So just generally on release day, I will send them an email. What are you using to keep your list to send your emails and that kind of thing? Oh, I use MailChimp. Mm, I find MailChimp is useful. Yeah. This is so interesting. You're doing all this right stuff. You see, in lesbian fiction, you can make money. You can. Yes, you definitely can. But you need to have some patience, of course. You know, this didn't happen just like that. I had my first Harper Bliss book out like in June 2012. So this is almost four years ago. This has been, you know, you grow. You know, every time you release a new book, you grow a little bit, you get a little bit more subscribers to your lists and, you know, slowly, slowly it grows until you reach a point where it goes really well, which is you know, a point that I've reached now. I mean, I'm, I'm doing quite well right now. So, yeah, just be patient and be smart, I think. Don't waste your time doing things that, that, are, that are not going to uh, advance your, uh, your readership, but definitely focus, focus on, on building your, your mailing list, definitely. It helps, I would imagine, that you've got your wife there because she can take on some of the, the duties oh. that you are not. Oh, definitely, definitely. I always say, you know, like, we are, we are two people in the company. We say, I always say one plus one, in this case, does not equal two. It definitely equals three or more, you know. What we can do together is just so much more. She takes away a lot of my plate that I don't particularly enjoy. So she does, like, she does all the number stuff and... You know, she does a lot of my editing as well, and she does my covers, and it's amazing. But it's really cool for us to be able to work together like this. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great. It's the dream. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually, when I think about it. <laughs> we have to be able to work together, though. <laughs> it's not for every couple, I would say, because, uh, you know, we spend, we spend like 95% of our time we spend together, right? Because we are married. We spend our evenings together as well, so... It can be a challenge for some couples, I think. But How long have you two been together? Uh, 15 years, yeah, a while. That is a solid stretch of time. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so can we just briefly go over your entire sales strategy? So you write the book mm-hmm. and you write, you make sure you write a lot of books because you see a spike when you mm-hmm. release a new book. Then you yes. have your, your mailing list. And what else yes. are you doing? Well, you know, I, I find that mailing lists is, is like, because when I, when I send, when I send the, my newsletter to my mailing list, right, they, they click on the Amazon link, you know, I get, a, I get a sales spike immediately. And when your book gets a sales spike like that on Amazon, Amazon notices, right? The algorithms, they, uh, they say, oh, this book is doing well. We must, we must promote this book. And this is what happens. And then it starts showing up in like, a bunch of also bought on other books you know you get if you go to number one you get this little bestseller thing which you know like draws attention and i think with a mailing list you know a sizable one you can get amazon to work for you as well and amazon i mean amazon is is a sales machine amazon wants to make the sale right so they will they will actually work for you so i think definitely mailing list is the most important and I do, I do quite a bit of social media as well, but you know, you can't really measure the effect of that. But I do try to be extremely approachable. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook too much. I know that. I'm also, I also have a YouTube uh, channel. 
since a few months where, you know, every week I talk about my, my week and, you know, writing-wise what happened and I keep people updated. How big is your YouTube channel? Oh, it's very small. I think I have like 60 subscribers or something. So it's quite small. But, you know, it's like, you know, for the people who really want want to know what I'm up to, you know, and there are a few. So it, I just do it because I think for social media, it's definitely what's most important is you have to enjoy it. Like, you know, like Facebook, I enjoy like Instagram and YouTube. I enjoy but like Twitter a bit less. But, you know, I am on Twitter. If someone tweets me, I will always reply. But I'm not going to be like tweeting throughout my day. That is not something that I do because I don't enjoy it as much. But like YouTube, I enjoy a lot. So then, then it, it it really it can really work for you. And it's not a chore. It it, it should never be a chore. So. Do you cross promote your social media channels? So do you say, hey, I'm also on YouTube on your Facebook page? Oh yeah, yeah. Every every week when I have my video up, I post it on my Facebook post it on my website, you know, just to keep people informed about it. Yeah, 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 definitely. I will post a little picture on Instagram, for instance, you know, for the people there say, oh, go to YouTube, I'm on. Yeah. And what about getting your book reviewed by sites? I know there's a, a several several LGBT sites and then there's mine. Do you see any traction? Do you see any anything happening with those? Um, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in contact with your reviewer, so she's on my launch team, actually, so, um, but I used to actively approach review sites, but I find that, um, it takes a lot of time to approach everyone individually, and seeing as, I mean, I have, I have a big launch team, you know, they, they will review for me. I, I don't actively seek out reviews from review sites. I will always get a review from the lesbian review. <laughs> Because I have I have Tara on my mailing list. Uh, Tara is ridiculously enthusiastic about you. She's very sweet. Uh, she's very nice. No, but I I mean I think lesbian review sites, lesbian uh, book review sites are definitely amazing. And you know if something new new pops up, I will definitely um, approach them. Is it worth it though? I mean, do you see any sales spikes? Do you see any like? Is it worth it having a review on a review site? Is my question really? It's really difficult to to quantify this, right? Because, but I have to say, like, I don't know if it's actually related, but like there was this list at the end of the year, was it? Yeah. The 10, 10 romance books or something on the Lesbian Review. Yes. And Once in a Lifetime was in the list. Yeah. And then I got this this strange spike in the in paperback sales for Once in a Lifetime. That was like a bit hard to explain. And I thought, could it be related? But, you know, I have no way of knowing if it's actually related to that. But there was a, there was a little spike in, a, in in paperback sales after that uh, that list came out. So, I mean, surely it's always going to help, right? I mean, a review from a, from a reputable source is always going to help you. And then you can like take a little quote from the review and put it on your Amazon page, you know, all about building that social trust and 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 you know making the making the reader trust you and if if you get a good review from from a from a big website that's always going to help you so yeah i think it is it is worth it but it takes a bit of time to do how are people who were with you originally finding your move from erotica to romance are they saying hey but where's where's all the erotica now or are they quite happy to move with you I have to say, I haven't had any complaints about my books not being erotic enough because, you know, I mean, I know, I know when, when someone is going to read a Harper Bliss book, they're going to expect a certain level of erotica. And I, 
I mean, I give them that. You know, there is always going to be some hot scenes in my book. I think I, I can, I write enough erotic scenes to satisfy those readers as well. I haven't had any complaints about that. That's interesting. It's a, it's a big brand move. So it's an interesting thing that you've done. Well, I don't know if it's like such a big brand move because I, I wrote erotica, but you know, like erotica, I mean, even if it is erotica, there's always going to be a bit of a story, right? And then when moving to romance, I just, you know, kept expanding the story. And I mean, the main complaint I always got was that my books were too short. So, you know, I was just really what I was trying to do was was actually please my readers more by giving them a longer book, keeping the erotic scenes in, but just giving them more story and character development and all of that. So, yeah, I think it's just also been a bit of a gradual shift. So it's not like one day I, I was writing only short erotica and then I came out with this huge, long romance novel. So, you know, I think readers that have been me from the beginning, they've they've kind of made the shift with me, I hope. See, I think it's because you're approaching it like that, that you are having the success that you're having. You're approaching this like a business. And I think that that is just so needed as a writer. Yeah, yes, definitely. Well, I have no choice but to do that, right? Because it is our business and, uh, you know, this is, this is our main business. This is all my wife and I do, right? Run this business. So we need to be really professional about this and constantly keep on learning and see what's new and see what else we can do. So definitely. So if you were to give advice to authors, to authors who want to sell more copies, who want to make enough money to do this full time, what's the first thing that they should do? Well, the very first thing they have to do is write a really good book, I think, you know, because <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have anything good to sell, it's not going to work right. You need to, you need to write something that's going to connect with the readers. And then as soon as you have your first book out, start building your list, your mailing list, because, you know, that's going to be of key importance in the future and uh, get a good cover for your book. How many free books are you giving away every month? Uh, you mean via my mailing list or? Uh... Generally, over all your marketing activities. Because uh, I do, I've, I've had this uh, strategy from the very beginning. Like the first thing I did when I started was I wrote a short story and I put it on Amazon for free. And this has brought me a lot of readers as well. And now I think I have, I have the first episode in my French Kissing series free. I have the first episode in my High Rise series free. I have three short stories free. Free has always been a pretty important part of my strategy. Um, but I do think that this is starting to change a little bit because mainly because of how Amazon treats free. Because it used to be that like you, you had the bestseller list. And on the same page, you had the freebie bestseller list, but now it's not the case anymore. They hide it behind a tab. So you have to like actively go looking for freebies. And that is maybe not always necessarily the kind of customer you want to attract, the reader who always like, who only seeks freebies. But um, I, I have used free successfully for a long time, though I have to say. So I think it could still definitely work, especially if you have a series, make the first one free, hook them with that, and then they, they will, a lot of people will continue to read if they've enjoyed it. What about free versus low cost? So what if you did a sort of a 99 cents first book versus a free first book? Do you think it will make a difference? Oh, yeah, I think it's always going to make a difference because, you know, it's so much easier to download something that's free than, than, than take a chance on something that is 
99 cents, even though it is only 99 cents, but still, you know, you still have to pay. And psychologically, I think there's a big difference. But um, I haven't experimented that much with 99 cents yet. I do, like, I have a book bub coming up next week, so I will make the first uh, the first season of French Kissing is going to be 99 cents. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how, that, how that goes. I'm going to lower the price for a week to 99 cents, and then I'll be very interested to see if there is a lot of uh, sell-through for the, for the other seasons. So That's interesting. Okay, tell us about book bub. Uh, book bub is this, like, huge... It's a mailing list, basically. BookBub is a company that has like attracted tons, like we're talking about millions of readers. They've gathered them on a list and they are like, the subscriber can, can choose their preference. And I think maybe a year ago, they started having an LGBT uh, section as well. I said, ooh, interesting, because a book, BookBub, they are so huge, they can like... They can make you. I mean, a book bub, to get a book bub is, is pretty awesome. But you can be absolutely sure that a lot of people are going to see your book when you get a book bub. They get it straight into their inbox and they see that it's like a huge promotion. And then, you know, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing, book bub. Plus, if you are an LGBT or less, less fake writer, I know for a lot of other genres, it's very difficult to get a book bub ad. But when you're in, in less fake, it's actually quite easy. Because, you know, there's there's just not a lot of people doing it yet. If you're an author and you're looking for some traction, try to get a book bub. It will really help you. Because I had one in October for At the Water's Edge. It was very successful. Hmm. And you pay for it, hey? Yeah, you have to pay for it. It's not cheap, but you get your money's worth. I definitely, I thought, oh, are we going to break even? But it wasn't even a question of breaking even. I, I, I made a huge profit of my book bub, for sure. And so, uh, how much? How much is it for a space? Because it's like a little ad, right? Uh, it's an ad, but it's in their it's in their daily newsletter for LGBT. It it's it depends if you make your if your promo is free or if you drop your price to ninety nine cents. I drop mine to ninety nine cents. It's a hundred and eighty uh, US dollar. Okay, so it's and and you're not the only one on the list. There's a whole bunch of of books on uh, on the mailing. Yes, but in that in the LGBT genre, I will be the only one on that day. So they do one one book per genre, one a day. Oh, so they focus just on your book for that particular mailer. Yes, yes, exactly. Huh. It's based on the user user preference. Like I'm I'm subscribed to BookBub. I have every day I get an email. So every day I get you know like an LGBT ad. I get a thriller ad. You can choose your genre. So that's how it works. Okay. And even dropping your your price to 99 cents, you made money off of the promotion? Well, yeah, because when the book bub goes out, you get a huge spike in sales. And then um, my book, it stayed, it stayed very high in the ranking. It really kept its ranking for a long time. And you get so much visibility of it. And then after when it goes back to normal price, you know, the effect, it, it lingers. Plus, there's also the knock-on effect, you know, because like I did one for At the Water's Edge and then in the back I put an excerpt for my other novel, Once in a Lifetime, you know, and then, you know, they call it the halo effect. So, uh, you know, when you when you promote one book, it will have an effect on your other books. So definitely made a profit of it. Yeah, for sure. Plus what I also got was like a whole bunch of new mailing list subscribers because I put my ad for my mailing list very prominently in the beginning of the book. So I got a whole bunch of new subscribers. So uh it's definitely worth trying. That's interesting. So you put it right at the beginning of your book. You don't even wait till the end, your mailing list. I put it at the beginning and at the end, so just to remind them at the end. You sandwich it. 
Yes. Awesome. Is there anything else that we haven't covered? This has been a very interesting interview. I don't know. I think I've told you about all there is to say, I think. Are you sure there's no more trade secrets you can share with us? (laughs) Write fast. (laughs) Always be writing faster. (laughs) Just on on, on the writing fast note, you emailed Mm -hmm. me and you said, you're always looking for new ways to write faster. Yeah. What What do you mean by that? Like, how on earth do you increase your writing speed? Lately, uh, what has what's been gaining a lot of popularity is dictation, because you know you can always write, you can always speak much faster than you write. So um, I've heard a lot of authors really increasing their their speed with that. But um, I haven't. I I want to definitely I want to try dictation, but uh, I haven't I haven't started on it yet because I don't know. I, I, it would just seem so different to dictate a book than to write because writing is just like it's such a distinct process, and I don't know how it can translate to actually dictating but a lot of people seem to be having a lot of success with it so i'm definitely going to try dictation in the future this year Mm. otherwise i don't know what i can do to speed up because i i I already write pretty fast i could learn to type better but uh yeah that's about it are you a, a planner or do you plan as you go um before before i start my book i i will have like you know a rough, a pretty rough outline. It's not like mega detailed, but we, like my wife and I, we will always like, you know, start discussing a book, like maybe a month beforehand, before I start writing. So I will make like quite a few notes, but every time I write a book, you know, even though I have a bit of an outline, I always go, of course. So I know not to like invest too much time in my outline. I don't know. Sometimes these characters, they want to do other things than I, the story just takes a different route. So, um, but I used to be much more of a like what they say what they call a pantser. I've I've gone more to plotting for sure because it also helps with speed, right? Because if you if you start writing and you know what you're gonna write, you're gonna write faster. I try to plot more and more. Harper, thank you so much for your time. This has been a fantastic interview. Before we go, where can people find you? How can they sign up to your mailing list? And if they haven't read your books, what book should they start with? Uh, okay, well you can. You can find me, the easiest way to find me is go to my website, harperbliss.com, because I have everything there. I have links to my Facebook and everything. So um, go to harperbliss.com. Um, which book to read first? My first, like, you know, well, I say bestseller, but, you know, I mean, it's a lesbian bestseller, right? It was uh, At the Water's Edge. It was a very personal book, deeply emotional. So I would say maybe start with At the Water's Edge. Okay, fantastic. And you're on Facebook and Twitter, and you yeah. have a YouTube channel. Yes. You were saying, yeah, all all of that is when you search for Harper Bliss, you will you will find me, and you can find links to all of that on my website. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think that's about it. That's enough. You've been listening to the right stuff. I'm Sheena, and today our guest was Harper Bliss from Lady Lit Publishing. You can find show notes and more on thelesbiantalkshow.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. It makes a huge difference to us.